0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Open your Bibles to the book of Judges, chapter 2. The book of Judges, chapter 2. We're continuing with our Age of Heroes series. The Age of Heroes series, and today's installment is called The Housewife, The Bootlegger, and the superhero, the housewife, the bootlegger, and the superhero. As I was working on this title this weekend, it reminded me of an uh, old show on Nickelodeon, Kenan and Kel, and how they would end the show, Kenan would tell Kel, it's like, Kel, I need you to get me a hippopotamus, I need you to get me a popcorn machine, and I need you to get me an elephant from Zambia. And he'd walk off the stage, and Kel would look, Kenan, where am I supposed to get a hippopot- hippopotamus for him. Where is Zambia in the first place? And then he would go, oh, here it goes. And so I, felt, I kind of feel like Keenan and Kel today. And I watched a lot of Nickelodeon growing up, as you can tell. So, oh, here it goes. So Judges, chapter 2. To do a review in the series, we started the series at the end of July. We said, the age of heroes, we said a hero is a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. We said the age we live in requires heroes. This is the age of heroes. This is the age for believers to know their God and to do exploits. It's the age for believers to stand strong and do what God has called them to do. This is the age for every purpose and plan and dream God has put in your heart to come to pass. So we said that at the top of your notes, because we said every time you come to church, you should be taking notes, amen? And also, also on the way you learn, It's easy for you to remember what God spoke to you and said during the message if you write it down. Now, some of you may have great memories. You can remember every single word I uttered, but the 99.9% of the rest of us aren't like that. And so we need to take notes. Amen. So we said at the top of your notes, we said write two dreams. We said write something that you're believing, some dream that you're believing to come to pass in your life. And the second dream is write something you gave up on. Some dream you gave up on because I'm too old, I'm too this. And you have an excuse why it can't come to pass right now. We said to write those two dreams and we're believing as the series goes on that God's going to stir you up and everything that you're writing down, what God has put in your heart will come to pass. So our text scripture for the series we looked at was Psalm 138 verse 8. We said, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endures forever, forsake not the works of thy own hands. We said the word perfect means to perform, to complete, to bring to an end. So that scripture is translated, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. The Lord will vindicate me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. We also looked at Philippians chapter one, verse six. This is being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. The word perform means to fulfill further or completely to accomplish, to do, to finish. We are confident that whatever God starts in us, he will finish it. We're confident that God's able to fulfill every dream, every plan, and every purpose in the life of the believer. So today, we're gonna look at something new in the book of Judges. In the previous weeks, we've gone over the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We've looked at Esther, we've looked at Mordecai, we've looked at Joshua, and we looked at Caleb. So we're gonna look at today the housewife, the bootlegger, and the superhero. So in Judges chapter 2, this is the time after Joshua has done what God's called him to do. We can look in verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. Look at verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. Notice you're always one generation away from apostasy. God can do amazing things in one generation, but if the next generation doesn't know, everything that God did in that generation has to be restarted. That's why it's so important to teach the next generation the works of the Lord. And not just teach them, but teach them in a way they can understand it. So the thing is, I can go to Kids World and preach just like this, and some of them will get something. But how many know there's a way of delivery that needs to be changed if you want to effectively minister to kids and to teenagers? And so that's why we have a kids' world. That's why we have a 620 youth ministry. We're not babysitting them. We are teaching them the word of God from an early age in a way they can get it. So that's why we encourage people to serve in kids world. God got quiet on that. Y'all get happy when talking about volunteering everywhere else? Oh, not the kids, Jesus, not the kids. But the thing is they're not the future church. They are the church. It's nice to say, well, the people in here are the church. No, the people in kids were the church. People in 620 are the church. People in this room are the church. One of the things I'm glad is here. We are a multi-generational church. We have people of multiple generations in this building. The thing is, we are all the church. And we all have a responsibility of passing on to the next generation what God has done in our lives. That has to come to your point in your life, parents, where you pass on to your kids and you tell them, God did this for us. God did this for us. God did this for us. God did this for your grandparents. God did this for your great-grandparents. So they believe, grow up in believing what God can do for them. See, think, I grew up believing in the supernatural delivering power of God. I grew up believing in angels because my parents would tell me stories about how God protected them and delivered them. I remember since I was... At least three, between three and five, I would hear my dad tell a story about a time he was driving in his car and an 18-wheeler didn't see him and began to drive over his car, and he tried to get out the car, but his seatbelt was stuck, and he couldn't get out. But he says, all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I'm standing on the sidewalk looking at my car. And he said, there were two angels that had to get me out of that car and put me in place. So I grew up believing in angels. And then the way they taught me to pray, they told me to thank God for my day and thank God for the angels that protect me. So not only did I grow up believing in angels, every night since I was a child, I was confessing, fe- confessing in the power of angels to protect me. I grew up in that. So when the angels intervene in my life, it's normal. So when I was in Texas serving as a youth pastor over there, I was driving back from one assignment and I was heading back to the church. And as I turned, there was a car that had to be going at least 70, 75 miles an hour, hit my car, spun me, hit the overpass, and broke my car into three pieces. Now, when I see the car coming, all I can get out and yell is Jesus. And I wish I could tell you it came out deep, very manly. Came out kind of high-pitched, but it worked. So my car stopped spinning, I jump out my car going, my car, my car. Notice I jumped out the car, could still move freely and look at my car. So the people who saw that actually, sir, come sit down, come sit down. You're in shock, but my car, you're in shock, sir, just sit down. And so the ambulance shows up, they convince me, you've been erect like this, you need to go to the hospital. So I walk into the ambulance, the other person is carried in, I walk into the ambulance and the workers there said, sir, you're blessed. So I get to the hospital, and I get out the ambulance by myself, and one of the people working there, I don't know if he's saved, if he was, he's still working out of salvation, because he cussed, and goes, I heard about your accident, you're blessed. So they go, check me out, there's nothing broken. All that I have on my arm is a little burn, and my thumb is jammed. So the ministers from the church come, and they pray, and then the burn disappears. And so they let me go home. They give me, says, well, some muscle relaxers just in case you're sore in a couple days. And so I get home. Bishop calls. Says, how are you doing? Says, oh, I'm good. But my car, boy, you can get another car. We want to know how you're doing. And I says, well, I'm good. My thumb's just a little jammed. Well, let's pray. Well, the, by the time we got off the phone, my thumb was unjammed. So all I needed now was another car. <laughs> and God took care of that with another supernatural story. <laughs> what happened? The angels intervened. Because I remember when my cousins checked on me later that day, said, how are you doing, Mr. Angels? I said, yes, they take really good care of me. And so a year ago, it was right before we did our, um, about a few weeks after I was installed, about to do our first resurrection day here. And I'm, I like to run. Some a runner, Me and my dog were out running. We were making really good time. I was going to do four or five miles today. So by this time, it was about five I did a 5K, I'm running, I'm running, and we get hit by a car. And, you know, I'm fine, my dog's fine, the car had a dent. <laughs> the guy gets out, are you okay? I think he was more freaked out than I was. And I said, I'm good, you know, I guess I'll go to the doctor later. And I was like, I really just wanted to finish my mile. <laughs> so I called my wife, she's like, you got hit by a what? You're going to the doctor now. That's so all it was. My arm was a little sore. Now, that should have been a lot worse, but the angels of the Lord encamp about me and deliver me. And I have such a strong belief because it was sown in my heart as a child. Sow the good things of God into your children's heart so they grow believing in what God can do for them. Even before they can understand, Even talk to them when they're in the crib. Talk to them about Jesus. Because, you know, they're their angel beholds the face of the Father forever. When they're born, there's an angel assigned to them. Amen. Tell them of the goodness of God. Amen. So that you don't have, when they grow older, you have to worry, oh, I wonder if they're going to serve God. No. Train them up in the way that they should go. When they're older, they won't depart. They'll try. Some of them may try. But that word will yank them back. Amen. And I was a youth pastor. We had some kids who grew up and did all the things they're supposed to do. But we had some that began to depart in high school or college. And there were some I talked to. and said, look. Your parents have put too much word in you and prayed too much. I prayed too much and preached too much to you. You coming back. And guess what? They came back. And God can do it for your child. It doesn't matter how bad they're acting right now. You don't give up on them. You keep praying that Ephesians 1 prayer for them. And you just believe, oh, God, they're working out their testimony. They're coming home. And you don't judge them. I said, you don't judge them. You love them. You pray for them and let the Holy Ghost convict them. The word will judge them the Holy Spirit will convict you love you pray doesn't matter what lifestyle they are in right now doesn't matter where they are going God can bring them out and bring them back so you don't let go of your faith parent you stand strong and believe that you'll see the salvation of the Lord you stand strong said my entire house will be saved doing what God called them to do because with God all things are possible. So, this generation arises that doesn't know God, that doesn't know what He did for Israel. So, they began to serve Balaam. They began to serve the gods of the countries around them. Now, they were supposed to drive out everybody who lived there, but they wanted to be like the other nations, so they let them stay. And we looked at what the other nations did, they were very, very, very immoral very sinful, very evil. God had warned them a long time ago, but how many know judgment is not always immediate? God is merciful. He lets time go by. To the cup of iniquity was full. And it was full because the things they did, when you read the law and you read Joshua, God talks about not only was homosexuality and lesbianism rampant, bestiality was rampant, Incest was rampant. Violence was rampant. They did all these different things, and they sacrificed children to the god Molech. Why? So they could have rain. They sacrificed children for convenience. It's almost like sacrificing children, selling their body parts to cover your bottom line. That Canaanite organization called Planned Parenthood is now new. Same thing then. There's nothing new under the sun. So they were judged for that. But Israel grew up not knowing God, so they decided to be like everybody else, and they began to serve gods just like them. But Judges 21-25 describes the mentality of these generations. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You even think, well, why is that so bad? Well, Proverbs 14 12. There's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, in this time, there was no absolute truth. Everyone followed their own truth. And like people say today, well, that's true for you, but that's not true for me. It was a time when famine occurred, and enemy oppression, aggression, and attack brought severe financial destruction. And so, Judges chapter 2 gives an oversight of the whole book of Judges. Look at verse 16. It says, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. Well, before that, go back to verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of the enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before the enemies. Now, when you read that scripture, just looking at how it is in the King James, it's kind of confusing. Like, how can God sell a people, and how did God deliver them? Well, the word deliver here means to permit. God permitted for the enemies to attack. He allowed it. Why, they broke their covenant. Their covenant was one of protection. When they violated, God said, well fine, you can have your way." The word sold here means to be given over to death. Now why were they given over to death? Remember the Bible tells you the wages of sin is death. If you keep sowing the wages of death, death will come. It is a spiritual law, right? We know how laws work. So let me use you for example. Let's talk about the law of gravity. Just jump up for me real quick. Do you see how God pushed him back down to the ground? Y'all didn't see it? Do it again. Did God push him down to the ground? No, what? Gravity put them down. Thank you, sir. Gravity, the law of gravity, it's a law. It always works. Just like the law of sin and death. If you keep sowing those wages, death is coming. Judgment is not a bad word. It just depends on what you sowed. So if you sow good seed, you have sowed forgiveness, you sowed love, you sowed mercy, you've done what God told you to do, your harvest will be good things. But if you sow to the flesh, as Paul said, you reap corruption. You sow ratchet, you can get ratchet. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. One of the first laws God put on earth in Genesis was the law of seed, time, and harvest. So, a lot of people think, well, because nothing's happened, I'm getting away with it. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So they were permitted to be taken by the enemies. They're given over to death because of what they did, and it says, They could not stand before the enemies. But something they did, you'll see it all throughout the book of Judges and in Exodus, they cried out to the Lord. They finally had enough of their own ways, had enough of the enemy winning in their life, and they called out to God. A theme in this book is prayer. They repented and they called out to God, and verse 16 was a result. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. The word deliver means to save, to liberate, gave victory. So he raised up people to give them victory, to deliver them, to liberate them. And also when that verb is used, talking about a person, it's translated, he raised up saviors for them. These judges were heroes, saviors, and deliverers by the power of God. Verse 17 says, And yet they were not hearken unto their judges, but went about a whoring after other gods, and bowed themselves quickly unto them. And they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of the enemies all the days of the judge, for repented the Lord by their groanings or by their crying or by their prayer, by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. So God was with the judge and empowered them to do supernatural things. Reminds me of Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God was with Jesus of Nazareth. Remember? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, and with power, who went about doing good, healing all those who oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God. But remember, he didn't do any miracles until the Holy Ghost came upon him. You don't have to anoint God. He is 100% God, but he was also 100% man. So humanity had to be anointed. And that's when he began to do the supernatural things. So just like God was with the judge, God was with Jesus, and God is with you. God likes raising up deliverers. He likes raising up saviors. Remember, the Savior lives in you. And you minister salvation to somebody You have become a savior yourself. It's not by your power, your goodness, or your wisdom. So, oh, I want that person to Jesus. No, God just used you. God can use you to deliver people, He can use you to heal people, He can use you to help people. It's by His power. So, go to chapter four. Let's look at some of these judges. Verse 1, and the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. When Ehud was dead, he was a former judge. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Hashareth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidus, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel on the Mount of Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak the son of Abinoam of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee the river of kishon Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou will not go with me, then I will not go. So notice, this prophet is this woman of God, this preacher anointed by God. She's been leading Israel. They've come up to her for decisions and for judgment. And she sends a message to Barak, tells him to come here. It says, has not God already told you? So this is not the first time she heard a word from God. God had already talked to Barak and was dealing with this spirit, but he was delaying. Now, the word Deborah means be. So she became like a bee to Barak. She began to buzz about him and says, hey, 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 did not God talk to you about this already? Isn't it time to step out and obey God? See, God wants to partner with humanity. When God wants to deliver a people, he wants to raise up people to deliver them. So he said, did not God already tell you what to do? Why? In the spirit, there are windows of opportunity. I like what Litter Raverhill says. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. There was an opportunity in front of them. But Barak was dragging his feet, and if he did not follow the Holy Ghost, he was going to miss this opportunity for deliverance. So God spoke to his woman, to his prophetess, and says, Go tell Barak this. Get him going. Get him moving. Stir him up to obey God. And he replied, I'll go, but if you go with me, I ain't going without you. So he says, fine, of course I'm going to go with you. But because you're too chicken, the glory ain't going to you. Somebody else is going to get the fame out of it. So Barack and Deborah, they call an army together, and not everybody comes. But they call an army together. God draws the enemy to this valley. Remember, they had 900 chariots. It was a high form of technology. They can't take them on their own. But if you look at Judges chapter 5, it says, the stars fought from their courses. What does it look like when a star fights? Then it said, the rivers began to overflow. Remember, they're all in chariots. But if the chariots get stuck in mud, their chariots are no good. So supernaturally, God makes the rivers to overflow quickly to trap them all. What God is fighting for them. Supernatural leading always leads to supernatural help. You need to be led by the Holy Ghost. One of the books we have in the bookstore, we have a few of them, and I recommend you read it at least once a year. And if you're newer to the things of God, you need to get that book today and read it. It's by Kenneth Hagin, because how you can be led by the Spirit of God. The number one way he leads the believers through the inward witness. After that is the inward voice and the spoken word of God. You need to hear what God is saying unto you and obey when God says to, don't delay, because delayed obedience is still disobedience. You can miss out on what God has for you if you keep dragging your feet. You have to follow the Holy Ghost. You can't be afraid. You can't think about what people will say about you. You have to take the opportunity that's in front of you and follow the Lord. So when Barak stepped out in faith, God fought for him. Not only were the warriors fighting, but now heaven is fighting. Now the rivers are overflowing, supernatural. So they get all the army, they chase them down. Not one remain, but their captain fled on foot. So they're searching for him. Now this captain, this mighty man, is running. So he runs into a tent. And there's just this housewife there by the name of Jael. She knows what's going on, but he's looking for a place he can hide. He knew her husband and thinks, I can hide out here. So Jael says, just come on in. He's like, well, if anybody comes looking for me, tell them nobody's here. He says, okay, I got you. He says, why don't you just go lay down here? Here's some warm milk. Go ahead. Go to sleep. Pull, I'll pull the blanket over you. He's knocked out. Then this housewife takes a tent peg puts it right over skull. Where's my hammer? The housewife delivers Israel. See the thing is everybody has their part to play in the plan of God. Whether you are the general, whether you are the prophetess, or whether you are a housewife, God wants to use you and your generation to make a difference. You might think, how can I make a difference as a housewife? How can I make a difference as this? See, the thing is, you could be at home, minding your own business, and you see this kid walking down the street, and you know, oh, that's a bad child. But as you're making dinner, you can start praying for that child, praying for their destiny, calling God's goodness into them, and you can change your life as you're making dinner, praying in the Holy Ghost. See, God can use you no matter where you are, no matter what you're called to do, no matter what your occupation or profession is, if you're anointed by God. God, you are called to be a hero and you're called to do amazing things, but you must let God use you. You can't make excuses, well, I'm this, I'm that. No, no, no. You are a Christian. You are anointed. You are called by God. So follow the leading of the Holy Ghost and expect supernatural help so that God can use you to deliver people. God wants to use you. Say, God wants, God wants to, use to use me. Go to chapter 6. See, the supernatural help that comes to you may not be spectacular, but it will be supernatural. Amen. So you may not see stars fighting. You may not see a river overflowing, but remember, God's given you angels. God will help you just make that step of faith. It's so Judges chapter 6. So we looked at the housewife who was used by God to deliver the nation. Judges chapter 6. So Barak and Deborah in jail, they delivered the nation, and they served God all the days of Barak and Deborah. But Barak and Deborah left, and Israel started acting up again. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them or permitted them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains, and the caves, and the strongholds. And it was when Israel had sown, the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth. So notice what they did. Not only did they take over their land, they destroyed all of their food. So now the nation is starving. This area is starving. Verse 6 And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, or when they prayed in a time of judgment. Just because judgment's going on does not mean your prayers are ineffective. Prayer to a point can hold back judgment. When it comes a point of a nation will not turn, judgment will come. But while judgment comes, you can pray and change the course of the nation. And the Lord sent a prophet unto them, the children of Israel, would said unto them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. And brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave them out before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God, fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. He says, You're praying for me to do something, but you're not listening to me. That's why you're in the situation you're in, you refuse to listen but greatest is mercy. And there came an angel of the Lord, and sat under an oak, which was an ophrah that pertained unto Joas the Azabaz, right? And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So notice this, he was threshing in a winepress, and that's not a big area, it's like a small little hole. So it is illegal for him to make food, because the Midianites are gonna take it. So he is bootlegging wheat. He's in this little hole making wheat, so he has enough food to eat. He's afraid, he's in hiding, and an angel shows up and says, what up, mighty man of valor? Who, me? Why, he doesn't think he's a mighty man of valor. And he says, did not God call you to deliver Israel? And he says, whoa, 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 angel do. I am, my family is the poorest in my tribe, and I'm the weakest and the poorest of my family. You have picked the wrong dude. You have picked the wrong family. You have picked the wrong tribe. Tried the dude down the street. But he finally believes. See, the thing is, you have to believe what God says about you. You have to see yourself how God sees you. God saw a mighty man of valor when all this guy saw was a bootlegger trying to get enough food for himself. See, the thing is, it doesn't matter where you are in your life. God has a call for you. Doesn't matter what you're going through or how little you think of yourself, God thinks big of you. So you need to think of yourself like God thinks of you. You need to talk about yourself how God talks about you. You need to say, I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. I am more than I conquer through him that loved me. You need to say those things. You need to wake up every morning and say in the mirror like we're talking, God lives in that person. Now, Father, what would you have me to do today to make a difference? Greater is he who was in you than he who was in the world. That makes you greater by association alone. So Gideon finally decides to obey God. God raises him up. He does some supernatural things. He raises an army of 30,000. Now that's pretty good. It's so like, okay, God can use the 30,000. But God tells him, I'm gonna do something so supernatural. I don't want you to take the credit or man to take the credit. Right. So your army is too big. Whoa, 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 Jesus. We got all these people together. Why tell me we don't, this is too many people? That doesn't make sense. So he says, tell everybody that's afraid and fearful to go home. So Gideon makes an announcement. He probably thought maybe just five people run out. 22,000 left. Come on, that is discouraging. So he got 8,000 left. And God says, you still got too many people. Come on, God, please, really. So he takes them to a river. And he says, watch how they drink water. And the ones who drink water while they're alert and watching, because they're ready for the enemy to come at any time, those you take into battle. Everybody else tell to go home. God leaves them with 300 men. Remember, the Midianites, Midianites have impoverished them and oppressed them for seven years. What is Gideon going to do with 300 people? God gives him a supernatural plan. Take a jar, take a trumpet, and take your sword. What am I going to do with a jar, a trumpet, and a sword? See, God has weird titles just like I got weird titles. And so they shouted the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. They blew the trumpet. They smashed the jar. And the Midianites fell into confusion and they start fighting each other before the Israelites could even get there. And then they ran off. And everything the Midianites had but came to Gideon and his people. God did a supernatural deliverance with a man who thought little of himself. Remember the first lady read earlier, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Meaning you should think highly of yourself. Just not higher than you're supposed to be. Because you think higher than you're supposed to be, you look down on others. But if you look at yourself as, Jesus thought I was worth dying for. Jesus thought I was worth shedding his blood for. Jesus thought I was worth ra- getting raised from the dead for and giving me his Holy Ghost. That's who I am. I am precious. I am valuable. I am worthy. Because Jesus came for me. So I received the value he placed on my life. Amen. What values on your life? The price of the blood of Jesus, the most precious commodity in the universe. God sees you as valuable, so you need to see yourself as valuable. So, number one, follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Number two, see yourself as God sees you. So, we've looked at the housewife. We've looked at the bootlegger. Now, let's look at one of my favorites, the superhero. So, go to chapter 14. Actually, chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 1. Let's look at the superhero. Chapter 13, verse 1. Say, God can, use me. God can use me. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord permitted or turned them over into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, you are barren and embarrassed now, but you shall conceive and bear a son. So the angel goes on and talks about, I need you now to live set apart. You don't need to be drinking. It's interesting when he calls someone to set apart, he says, don't drink. See, a lot of people in the church today use alcohol as a chief substitute for the Holy Ghost. A lot of people are drunks because they don't know how to access what God's already provided. It's like, well, I feel bad, so I need a drink. No, you feel bad, you get full of the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm depressed, so I need a drink. No, 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 you need to get delivered from depression. So, well, I just need to be loose. Look, why do you want to, do you really have to drink so that you can have a good time? That means you're really born. God can give you an adventurous life, and you don't need a sip of alcohol. So you don't have to wake up in the, next, uh, the next day blaming on the goose and looking at pictures on Facebook of what you did crazy. Well, God did not call you to that. So he called this woman to be set apart. He said, I've called your child to be set apart. I've called on to be a Nazarite. So he's even more set apart than those who are set apart. Because God wanted to use him to do great things. And so she goes to tell her husband and the husband prays, oh God, if that's the man, if that's an angel, God send them back. The angel comes and tells them the same thing. And they conceive supernaturally and have a child by the name of Samson, a superhero. Now the thing is, people think Samson must have had a whole lot of muscles. He must have been a bodybuilder. But actually, you have no proof that he was a big strong dude. You just have proof he did strong things. So the thing is, He could have been skinny with no muscles at all, but he had the anointing. See, the thing is, you could be, look at your life as I'm not qualified to do this, that, or the other. But once you receive the anointing of God for your assignment, don't look at what you can do. Don't confer with flesh and blood. Don't look at your situation or your body to define your faith. Only look at the Word of God and what thus saith the Holy Ghost and move forward in the power of God. Consider not your body, just like Abraham had to not consider his. Consider not your age. Consider not your education or your background or your family. Consider Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Look at him and run your race. Not anybody else's race. Don't get to someone else's lane. That's gonna cause an accident. You run your race. Don't compare yourself with anybody else because then you're going to feel bad. Comparison is a thief of joy. You must put the blinders on and look forward. The only person you should compare yourself is yourself finishing the call. That's the only person you compare yourself with. And my measuring up to what God has called me to do what he said about me. Only look at that and run your race. They think, well, people my age have done this by now. Stop looking at people. Look at Jesus and run. So it raises up Samson. Verse 25, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshterl. Why? The Holy Ghost is not afraid of a mess, and sometimes the Holy Ghost will move you into a fight. Remember, the Holy Ghost led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He led Jesus to the fight of his life. Forty days in that wilderness, tempted by Satan with all the temptations that exist, and he won Jesus has started his ministry with a mentality of absolute victory he says if I can take your leader down all you other demons y'all going too and wherever Jesus went he cast out devils and healed the sick you need to have a mentality of victory so the Holy Ghost would move Samson to fight but Samson although he was anointed although he was called by God he had an issue couldn't keep his pants up. Amen. Now, let me prove it to you, because people are like, oh, yeah, we know that one person. No, no, there was a lot of people. A lot. So, a lot goes on. Let's start with chapter 16. He does supernatural things. Actually, will do 15. He'd already taken down a number of Philistines, and they came to Israel. Turn over Samson, and going to kill everybody. So the Israelite says, what are you doing messing with these Philistines? Don't you know they are in charge? Don't you know they rule over us? He says, what, he says, what have you come to do? He said, we come to take you to them. And he made the Israelites promise. Promise me you will not put a hand on me. I'll let you bind me and take me to them. They said, we promise. So they bind him fast. They put cords around him. They put chains around him. But verse 14 of chapter 15. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mildly upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax; They burnt off, and his bands were loosed. The word loose here means melted. The Holy Ghost came on him so strong as fire, it burnt off what could be burnt and melted the rest. Talk about the anointing of God. So he defeated this whole army, and then he's tired. He said, oh, God, I'm going to die of thirst. You caused me to win this big victory, but I'm thirsty. But then into the jawbone that he used for the victory, and water came out. We haven't seen something like this since Moses. Imagine the power of God that's on this one man, what God had called him to do. He was called to be set apart, but he didn't live set apart. Chapter 15, chapter 16, verse 1. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her. Whoa, dude. Dude. Not just set apart. You are fully acting a hot mess. Remember, we talked about the beginning of the message. That just because it hasn't caught up with you doesn't mean it won't catch up with you. So he's living as he wants to do, he's doing whatever he wants to do, but he's anointed. Just because someone's anointed does not mean their life is right. Just because someone has a gift and is gifted doesn't mean they're living the way they should. That's why your confidence cannot rest in man. People go, well, that person hurt me, that person didn't follow God, that person fell from grace. Well, your faith isn't in that person, that faith has to be in Jesus. And you have to understand, why do leaders fall? Especially if you are making an impact in the kingdom of God. A lot of them are very sincere. They're very genuine, but they get tired. They get wore down. And remember, Satan sees what they're doing in the kingdom, so he's sending people after him. They hit them and hit them and hit him and hit them and hit them and hit them. And, and, and if they're tired and they're too tired to fight and they don't have anybody they can confide in because everybody's trying to get a piece of them, then they fall and everybody goes, I knew you weren't real in the first place. Why? Sometimes people just put you up to tear you down. You have to make sure that you build yourself up and you stay strong and you have someone to be accountable to. Because whatever you compromise on the way to the top will rule you once you get there. So you're going up to do whatever God's called you to do. Deal with your issues now. Spend that time in prayer. Spend that time in the Word. Spend that time in fasting. Let God deal with you where you are so that you can keep growing and Satan doesn't have a foothold in your life. So Samson never dealt with his issue, but he was anointed. God kept using him. God kept using him. He kept delivering people. He was fulfilling his call, although he wasn't set apart. Then entered a woman named Delilah. Everything that Samson wanted. She looked exactly like what he wanted. And so he moves in with her. Now, y'all know that's not right. Just look ahead. No one know I'm talking to you. You know you're not supposed to be living together if you're not married. But you know the economy in 2008, it fell and it was just so financially feasible if we move in together. You always have an excuse to sin. Well, it doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to do. Keep looking at me. No one knows I'm talking to you. Just keep a smile on your face and say amen, and they'll think it's your neighbor. You're called to be set apart. You're not called to live together before you're married. Come on, you want to start your marriage in the blessing, not the curse. Mm. So he's living with Delilah. Delilah. Delilah's got him wrapped around her finger. So the Philistines come to Delilah and says, hey, now Delilah could have loved Samson at the beginning. But they come to her with a certain amount of money and says, look, we'll pay you this if you find out Samson's weakness. Sure. So she works, come on, Samson. You know she's working it the only way that she can work it. Y'all can read between the lines and know what's going on. And he asked Samson, well, what is your weakness? Now, notice Samson didn't fully trust her, because if Samson fully trusted her, he would have told her the first time. But he goes through all these things, different times, says, well, it must, oh, this is my weakness. He tries it out, and he's still strong. Tries this out, he's still strong. And she goes, well, you don't really love me. And so she wears him out every day, day in, day out, and he gives up, so, fine. I just some peace, some quiet. I'm a Nazirite. I'm set apart even though I haven't been living like that. I've broken every other vow. If you cut my hair, my strength will be gone. Okay. (laughs) Gets him to go to sleep. She calls for somebody to cut his hair off. And she says, Samson, wake up. The Philistines are upon you. And there's one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible He did not know that the Lord had left. He did not realize the anointing had lifted. He did not realize the power wasn't present. You can become so spiritually dead, you do not recognize the anointing. So people can substitute it for hype, and you think God moved. That happens in a lot of churches. Oh, people get hype, and oh, the presence of God was there. God was not even anywhere near the block. But because people were excited, someone had a goosebump, somebody cried. They thought the anointing showed up. Samson, although he was anointed, powerfully used by God, was so spiritually cold he did not realize the anointing had left. So he stood up to fight like before, and the Philistines took him. That shows you he physically wasn't even that strong. They took him down, and one of the first thing they did is they plucked his eyes. Why? Satan always comes after your sight. He comes after revelation. So they take him and they throw him into prison. And they send him to grind in the millhouse. So he's in prison and changed no eyes. Humiliated. Embarrassed. Going in circles. Every day. Day in. Day out. Sin will put you in a cycle that you can't get out of took away his sight, but then it says, his hair began to grow again. Now, his hair wasn't special. That's just a point of contact. But that scripture is written to let you know, sometime in prison, Samson repented. And he began to pray. They took him out one day to mock him, the superhero of the Israelites. Look what our God did to him. Weak. Samson, chains hanging on him, led out by a little child to mock him. And he says, put me next to this pillar. And he prayed, Lord, do it just one more time. Yes. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and strengthened him. Yes. And he said he took out more Philistines in his death than his entire life. Amen. See, the thing is, you may have messed up a whole bunch of stuff in your life. You're like, you look at your life, it is jacked up, and you realize it's me. And, you know, there's a reason why things happen, and sometimes the reason is you. And if you're honest and look at your life, as all this stuff is going wrong in my life, and it's my fault. Well, today is the day to repent. Today is the day to turn, to change your mind and go the other direction. And God can do it in you one more time. God can anoint you again. He can restore you again. Put you in the place you were called to be all along, but you must turn and obey God. He wants to use you. So whatever you're doing today that you know, whatever God convicts you of when I talk about set apart and the Holy Ghost gave you that little zinger, just change it. Change your mind. Go the other direction. Why? There's hundreds of thousands of people waiting on our obedience. We can't afford in this time and this age to act like the world. Why? The world needs us. How would they know or recognize our Jesus if we act like them, talk like them, look like them? We must live different. And it doesn't matter where you're the housewife, the general, the prophetess. It doesn't matter if you're bootlegging wheat or a superhero. God can use you. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, God can use you. Doesn't matter what your family background or your education, God can use you. Doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have, God can use you. The anointing, the power of God can take you, as it says in the Scripture, from the dunghill and put you among princes. Doesn't matter what your background is. We looked at Rahab last week. How faith got her out of a lifestyle and put her in the lineage of kings. And she became the great-grandmother of David, the great-great-grandmother of Solomon. And she was in the ancestry of Jesus, the Son of God. So it doesn't matter what you were before you found Jesus. Once you step over into faith, God can use you to bring salvation and deliverance to your family, to your friends, to those at your workplace, those of you at your school. 620, God can use you, but you must let him use you. You must make a decision to follow God wholeheartedly. Make yourself available to him. So that old song goes, "My storage is empty. I'm available to you. What? I, there's nothing I'm allowing to hold me back any longer. I choose to follow God. So you pray, use me, Lord, till you use me up, then fill me up, and use me again. It's worth being used by God. You need to be a hero." Your world needs you. It's time for you to put on your cape. It's time for you to stand out. It's time for you to believe for God to use you. Because he's will. So it's like, well, I've done too much. No, you haven't. We looked at Samson. We've looked at others. We looked at Rahab. We looked at all these people. People say, well, God can't use these people. No, no, no. Once the blood is applied, your past no longer matters. Your past has nothing to do with you. Your past does not disqualify you from your future. Why? The blood has been applied to your past. Your future is based on you following the Holy Ghost from here on out. Praise God. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Father. I want to lift your hands and thank God for the Word of God. Oh, we thank you for the Word of God. Father, we thank you for the things You said to us today. So number one, follow the leading of God. Number two, see yourself how God sees you. Number three, do not compromise, live fully for God. And number four, if you missed it, repent and get back to where God wants you to be. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Also, if you want to support the ministry financially, you can go to FCCGA.com and follow the directions there. If you want more about the subject of heroes that we've been talking about in this broadcast, go onto iTunes or onto Amazon Kindle and download Biblical Heroes Volume 1. Have an amazing day.